church. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, all right. If you are watching this online, we are right after Thanksgiving. So I'm happy to see that, not, that everybody's alive, alert, awake. You're not experiencing, you know, Thanksgiving food fatigue. How many of you felt it Thursday night, right? We felt it. But I'm so glad you're here. My name's Chris. I'm executive pastor at New Life Church. And uh, man, I just... I love this church. I love my church. And I just, uh, it's an honor to serve Pastor Jeff and Kim and get to be share, uh, sharing today God's word. We're not in a teaching series. Today's a standalone message. And uh, really, this kind of came out of, uh, you, you know, should have, every pastor should say, this came out of prayer time and Bible study. And it did. But it also came out of just some discussions, some conversations that I've had with a good friend of mine named Dennis. And we were just, we hang out and talk about the Lord. And, you know, there's some these big questions, these big questions sometimes in life we ask, and maybe you've asked that, God, why this? Why that? Why do you do it this way? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing it uh, my way? You know, there's, there's different things we have, those questions. So we're going to talk about the, that today. So glad you're here at the Garney campus. I want to welcome everybody at our online campus and our other campuses in Ogallala and North Platte. We love you. So glad that you are here today. Let me tell you about a little more about uh, my situation. I have a car that the gas gauge doesn't work. Anybody else with me? Anybody else? Or you've ever had a car like that? I mean, technically, the gas gauge does work, but the, the technical thing would be the fuel, the fuel level sending unit doesn't work, all right? So then the, the gas gauge doesn't work. And I've had, it's been that way for a while. You've got to drop the tank to change that and change the fuel pump. So, so I know, and I tell my family, anytime you drive this car, um, and if you put gas in, gas in it, reset the odometer, and if it hits 300 miles, that's about what I know that I can get to safely. You need to refill it. But sometimes they don't reset the odometer, and sometimes they just let it go. And I've had to on a few occasions. I won't throw any of my family members under the bus, my wife. But uh, <laughs> she's called. She since uh, does not drive that car anymore. But a couple times I've received the phone call that the car won't move. The car, I don't know, it just stopped and it won't start. Is it turning over? Yes, but it won't start. You're out of gas. You ever experienced that where you've been out of gas? And thankfully today, not only do we have gas gauges in our car, we have, we have these readouts that tell us how many miles we have to empty, which is kind of a bummer for us guys at least because we, we kind of like to know that we know based on the gauge how many miles to empty that we have. And in that, if that light does come on, we know that we got about 15 to 20 more miles, right, don't we? Except for you mechanics, you know that's bad on your fuel pump and you don't let it get there. But uh, I, I let it get there from time to time. But the, the, the car will tell you 35 miles to empty, 20 to empty. Have you ever seen it say zero miles to empty? That's not a fun place to be. And uh, you're hoping that you make it to a gas station. It reminds me of another time I was on a hike with some New Life guys. We were hiking the Grand Canyon rim to rim. And, and man, I was getting in shape for this hike and, um, you know, was working out. And I decided that uh, my diet was going to be the no-carb diet to drop some weight and to work out. And, man, it was working for me. In fact, the first day, everybody was bringing dr freeze-dried food into the canyon. I brought frozen New York strip. I mean, I cooked it, I froze it, and, and I was cooking it over the campfire. They're pouring in their, their freeze-dried food, and here I have steak. And so I was only eating 
protein, meat, no carbohydrates at all. It was working out great for me until we started climbing out of the canyon. Uh, and we were climbing out of the canyon. I remember I reached a point where my body said, no further, right? And I hit this wall. I remember, I remember like dropping to my knees and literally this is what I said, somebody, somebody give me sugar. Somebody give me sugar. And um, I know that there's a technical, uh, you know, explanation to what was going on. You protein, eat protein and fat, and it's available for energy, but not as readily available as carbohydrates or sugar, right? And your body cannot turn it into energy as fast. And so somebody gave me some sugar, and about 10 minutes later, man, I was up and running. But I had hit a wall. I was empty. My strength was out. Now, have you ever felt that way? Maybe not physically, or maybe it wasn't your car that said zero miles to empty, but emotionally, you know, mentally, or spiritually, you felt like the gas gauge on your life said zero miles, it's flashing, your car is stalling out, and you are about to hit a wall. You ever felt that way? That life, maybe you're a parent, and life is just busy, and you have school, and you have family, and you have your home life, and you have activities, and all of that, and you feel like you're running so fast, and you're reaching a point where you're exhausted, and you're about to hit a wall. Or maybe it's at work, and you're dealing with people. Maybe you've been in the same job for so many years, and it's become boring, or you have situations, and you have pressure. Maybe you haven't got the raise that you thought. You know, just work at work. You're just frustrated. You're tired. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to quit, or maybe you're a parent and you're dealing with a child. They might be a grown child, but they've, they've kind of wrecked their life and you're grieving, you're trying to help, you're, and you're, you're just you're emotionally spent. You're on empty. Or maybe you're serving the Lord, and maybe in fact you're serving on a ministry team and you're dealing with people, but you're empty. And it's one of the most dangerous places to be. It's scary. To be there, but let me just tell you the most dangerous place to be on empty in your life is in your spiritual life. Where it's been so long since you felt the joy of the Lord, the presence of God, that your relationship with God has become routine, maybe even church has just become a, a tradition, and it's kind of boring at best. Your personal time with Jesus, I mean, there's not really that much desire anymore because you're tired and weary and you can hardly remember the last time you felt and sensed and knew the joy and the presence of God in your life and the motivation is not there and maybe it's just out of duty. It's a scary place to be when you're spiritually empty and I can tell you that because I've been there. And there's been too many times in my life that I've been there at a place where spiritually I was depleted. And so today, if you're not in that place, man, I just celebrate with you. And I just want to encourage you to keep running in the strength that God is giving you. But maybe today you're at this place where you feel like the gas gauge in your life is reading zero miles to empty. And you feel like you're about to run dry. Let me just tell you, I believe that we serve a great God. And our great God is going to encourage you today. And some of you, you've been around this thing called following Jesus for some time, and you just be, need to be reminded of what you've already experienced and what you already know. How many know that, that sometimes we just forget? Sometimes we just forget what we already know, and you need to be reminded of who God is and how to reconnect, how to refuel, how to uh, get the strength that God has. So we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament, 
And I want you to go there. If you open up your Bibles or if you have your phone, you could download the YouVersion Bible app, click on events. You can find New Life Church and track right along with me. But everything today except for one verse is coming out of Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to start in verse 27. And he says, he says this, Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights. So just a little context. We hear two names here, Jacob and Israel, but they're in fact the same person. Jacob was, uh, so we have Abraham. Anybody remember Abraham or heard about him? If you grew up in church, you might have sang the song when you're a little kid, Father Abraham had many sons. Come on at all campuses. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so you have Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. And we understand from the Old Testament, uh, the nation grew out of Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob, known as Israel. So the prophet here, God is speaking to his people. And we can um, see from the Old Testament and the New Testament, everybody who's a follower of Christ... There's a relationship between Israel in the Old Testament and those who are following Christ. We are God's children. This is before Jesus came, and so he's speaking to his people, Israel. So when he says, oh, Jacob, oh, Israel, he's talking to his people, not to two individual people or not even one singular person that ended up having this, you know, these two different names. He's speaking to God's people. And what does he say? He says, or what, excuse me, what did they say that the prophet is confronting? They said that God doesn't see my troubles. And you know, we say that sometimes. I've said that sometimes. That I don't think that God sees what I'm going through. And it's this feeling. It's the feeling that we have that if we're not careful, can turn into a belief that God does not see my troubles. And we can be overwhelmed with that. And here's, what we, here's the problem we get into, because we, we begin to think that God should be just like us, that he should think like us, that he should see our troubles in the same way that we see them. And if God, would, if God saw the trouble I was going through, wouldn't he do something about it to ease my suffering and to ease my pain? And since he's not, I must conclude that God doesn't see my troubles. And that's what the prophet is confronting with his people with, God's people with, right here. It's a very desperate place to be. It's a very real feeling to have that God doesn't see my troubles. Because if he did, he would do something about it. Maybe you're going through a sickness or a financial strain or stress or a relational tension. And you're like, God, I'm following you. I'm surrendered to you. And it doesn't seem like you're doing anything about this. You must not even see what I am going through. And so why did they say that? And why do we say that? Well, there's a variety of reasons, but today I'm focusing in on sometimes it's because our strength is gone. Sometimes it's because we're weak and we're weary and our fuel gauge spiritually says zero miles to empty. I don't have the strength anymore. I don't have the strength to believe that God is good, that God sees everything, that God is faithful, that he never fails. I don't have the, <clears throat> excuse me, the strength to believe that anymore so much that it changes the way I feel about God. And what else did they say? And we sometimes say, they said this, that God ignores my rights. And what does that mean? In other words, it means that God doesn't care 
how I've been wronged. Because if he did care, I would see justice with my own eyes. That God doesn't care how I've been wronged, what I'm going through. The layoff that I experienced at work, I didn't do anything wrong, but I got laid off or I got fired. The relational tension that I'm experiencing, the rejection from somebody else, that they're just being evil or they're talking behind my back, that God doesn't see my rights. Like, God, why aren't you doing anything about it? See, when you're empty, it can take your... It can take you to a place where either you think that God is able, incapable of seeing me, or God just doesn't care. When I'm weak, I'm tempted to think that God, you, you must like them more than me, and I don't see that you see me. I don't understand that you see me. I don't believe, and I start to feel that way, and it can turn into a belief. And this could be a deadly place to be spiritually. It can be very deadly for you if you embrace the feeling and it begins to shape your belief about who God is. But let me just say, if that's where you are today, it can be a, a place that God has you so that you come to the end of yourself. You stop trying to define reality and who God is based on your own human understanding. And it can be a place of breakthrough when you come to the end of yourself. So many people have given, come to Christ and their lives have been changed because they've come to the end of their self. That was my story when I was 19 years old. And I was a wayward son of God. I was a prodigal and I was running from God. And I came to the end of myself and stopped trying to define, to understand everything based on my own understanding. I realized that my way was not working out. There was an emptiness. There was a weariness. I came to the end of myself and it was at that place that God's strength could come in and fill me up. And so that can happen for you today. If that's where you are today, you can leave this place, all of our locations. You can log off if you're online and find today is the day that everything changed for you. And God plugs you into his supercharger and fills you back up. I believe that's going to happen for some of you today. God has a response for our questions, and God had a response for Israel God had a response to them. He says, why do you say that? Right? I mean, it's set up in the story with the problem and the question. Why do you say that God doesn't see my troubles? Right? That, that, that to me is the response. It's the answer within the question. And what is going on with you that you feel that and you think that? That God doesn't see your troubles. He doesn't care how you've been wronged. It's like a parent saying, now, you know that's not true, right? Your kids, when they're real little and they, 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 they get into fights with one another and one of the siblings say, he hates me. And the parents step in and say, you know that's not true. You know, but that's how they're feeling in the moment. And so God is saying to them, you already know the truth. You already know that God sees everything, including your troubles. God knows right where you are. God, there's nothing that catches or, or escapes the view of God. I don't know about you, but I, I got this great Christmas present. Uh, some of you might have one. It's called a, a, a video doorbell. Anybody have a video doorbell? They're the most amazing things in the world. I love technology. And so I got this last Christmas video doorbell, and it catches everything. Someone comes to my 
to my door. In fact, the other day I was, I was not even at home and somebody rang the doorbell and it was um, the internet guy, right? And I was able to talk to him. It's pretty cool. It catches everything that goes on in front of my house. I live across the street from a school. So during school, you know, when parents are coming to pick up their kids, it even catches the parents that are walking on the sidewalk and pulling up their cars in front of my house. Catches everything except when it doesn't. And so one, one Sunday, my daughter's car was parked in front of our house, and every time somebody pulls up, the ring doorbell turns on and catches that video, except for the time that someone decided to break into her car. And she came out, and she discovered uh, that uh, somebody had broken into her car, which was a crazy story because they didn't steal anything. In fact, they left a pair of sunglasses and a knife in there because she's a college student. There was nothing to steal. But they were going through the neighborhood and, and doing that, and so I'm looking on the, video, the ring doorbell. It missed it. So bombed. $2.99 a month. It wasn't worth it for the one time I needed it. <laughs> but, but with God, nothing escapes his surveillance. He doesn't miss anything. And so that's what God begins to say to them. Look what he says in verse 28. Again, rhetorical, rhetorical questions going on here. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And that's not just about what he knows as far as his knowledge about things, but his understanding about what he knows about reality and what's going on in our lives. And so you're empty and you feel like God doesn't see me or God doesn't care. What do I do? Well, the first thing I think you need to do as I read through this is to begin to deconstruct the lies that you've been believing. And I think that's what the prophet was confronting them with was the lies that they were tempted to believe. Some of them were even beginning to believe, and we need to deconstruct the lies that we have believed. And by the way, sometimes you, sometimes you cannot do this by yourself, meaning we're never by ourselves. We have God's word. We're going to talk about that. We have God's presence. He's going to speak to us. But sometimes we need other people. The people of Israel did. They needed the prophet to come and bring this word and confront them. Sometimes you need other people to help you deconstruct the lies in your life that you've been believing, to help you see the blind spots in your life. And so he says, have you never heard? Well, of course they'd heard. Have you never understood, meaning experienced? Of course, of course they have. But you see, when we're, when we're weak, when we're empty, our pain and our weakness, it seems far more real than anything that's going on right in front of our eyes. It seems far more real than anything else at that moment. And what happens is we forget what we knew. We forget what is true. We begin to believe our feelings and our interpretation of why God is doing or not doing what we think he should do or not do. And so, see, weariness and being empty and having your tank run dry, it can lead you to this place where your whole world shrinks down to the size of the moment. You're walking through a stressful situation. You're walking through sickness. You're walking through uh, tension relationally. And everything can shrink down to that moment. When you're tired, it can mess up your perspective. So let me just ask you, all of our campus, how many of you will raise your hand if you're a morning person? Come on, raise your hand, all locations. All right, look around, see the morning people in the room. All right. Now, how many married 
people are morning people married to not morning people. Raise your hand. You're a morning person, but married to a not morning person, right? We're at the early service right now. They're too afraid to admit it, all right, right now that the person they're sitting next to is not a morning person because it's still morning. And uh, you morning people married to not morning people know that when they are tired, they can be a little grumpy and be a little hard to deal with, right? And all the morning people are sitting there all proud that I'm a morning person. And in the morning, I'm happy, I'm singing, I'm ready to go. But when the clock hits 10, all of a sudden, you morning people become the grumpy people, right? And uh, the truth is, when you're tired, when you're physically tired, it can affect the way you feel. It can affect your perspective. It can affect your relationships. And, And that's just a simple example, but it's so true. Take it to the extreme. When you're physically exhausted... When you're physically as awesome, when you're emotionally spent and worn out, you begin to see things. You begin to hallucinate. You begin to see lies as truth. When you're spiritually empty and exhausted, then all you see, all you see in this life is through the filter and the lens of your humanity. Being grumpy, being angry beginning to define God as not who he is. And when we're tired and we're empty, we, we forget the truth. It, it's easy to let the truth slip away from this. And you add to this just the weight of life and it all intensifies in our life. And when we're tired, we're tempted to believe the lie and we're tempted to go all in for the lie. And it becomes difficult to allow God in to redirect us towards the truth. And we begin to think that God is absent He is apathetic. He doesn't see my troubles or he doesn't really care. And that lie, that lie will make me believe. Here's another thing. It will make me believe that even in the troubles that, by the way, if you're a child of God, God is allowing those troubles to come your way. That even in the midst of my pain and my trouble, that I cannot experience joy and presence and calmness and peace. That's a lie. We will believe that. I, I remember my youngest daughter. So I have three kids. Two are, um, one is in college, one is out of college, and one is still in high school. So my youngest, Chloe, she was about five or six years old. And we were out with some people in our church in Arizona at a restaurant. She's a little, little tiny girl at that age. And uh, she wasn't feeling so well. But uh, we were at this Italian restaurant. And she ate her meal. But, I could t- you know, she wasn't feeling so well. And we were... Out with these people. So I decided to hold Chloe. She put her head down on my shoulder. And then it happened. <laughs> and there's really no good word. Actually, when I was thinking of this story, I was like, is there really a good word that's not going to make somebody feel a little queasy? Um, but let me just use them all. She puked. She vomited. She barfed. All right. You feel it? Let's get it out of the way. All over my shirt and the back side of my shirt, and I felt it running down. It was warm. It was wet. And here I'm, I'm with these people, right? But all, all I felt as a dad was compassion. We got her cleaned up, and the restaurant even gave me one of their shirts to wear, like, you know. And so I was trying to get people to tip me as I was walking around and got cleaned up. But uh, in the midst of that awful situation, <laughs> that gross situation, this, I was with my kid. I was taking care of her. I love her. 
There was, there was, there was joy. In fact, some, some years later, a few years later, I was carrying her and she said, hey, dad, you remember when I puked on you? I said, yeah, I remember that. Remember that? Oh, okay, that, that's a very light example, a light story. The lie that we will believe, even when we walk through something difficult, tra- uh, tragic even, that that must mean that God is far off, that he doesn't see me. But he can be very close in his peace and his presence and his joy. It's unbelievable when you witness a follower of Jesus walking through an extraordinary circumstance. And while it's hard and it's difficult and it's trying for them, you see the joy and the faith and the trust. The truth is, God says he'll never leave you. He will walk with you. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, right? You'll set a table before me in the presence of my enemies, meaning God will be with you. So don't believe the lie that in the midst of the things that God is allowing to come your way, that you can't have peace. So I'm going to deconstruct the lies that I've believed. And then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reconstruct my thoughts on the truth with God's truth. And so what is truth? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible gives us the truth. It it says he is the everlasting God. We read it, right? He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He was here before you got on the scene, right? He knows everything. He sees everything. He does not get tired. He does not grow faint. He does not get weary. He knows right where you are. Never once did what you are going through, is what you're going through, escape the view of God. He sees your situation. And I can take comfort in this, that he is smarter than me. That he sees things from a greater elevation, a better vantage point. That he, even though he's not responding in the way that I think he should or the way that I would respond, it does not mean that he does not care about my cause. It just means he sees the bigger picture. He is God and he is good. And he is working all this for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. How many believe that we serve a great God? That he sees you, that he knows right where you are. If you're weak today, if you're weak today, he knows right where you are and he is willing. I believe today before you leave, he's willing to dump out all his strength on you that you need. So we deconstruct the lies and then I'm going to reconstruct with the truth. And another passage, the Apostle Paul, he gives us this idea about followers of Christ and how we deconstruct what is a lie and we reconstruct with the truth. He says this, that we being followers of Christ, we demolish arguments. Have you ever had an argument with yourself, right? You begin to try to argue with yourself that God doesn't see me. God doesn't know what I'm going through. No, we demolish those arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, I'm going to push you back all of the lies. And we take every thought captive, every thought that comes into my mind, we take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ, meaning we make it come under the lordship of the truth of who Jesus is. That's what we do. When we feel tempted to believe, God, do you see me? No, I'm going to take that thought captive and I'm going to redirect and reconstruct my thoughts toward the truth that God sees me. He knows me. He is for me. He is not against me. And so when we've done that, we've reconstructed our thoughts with the truth of who God is, then here's what we do. We fix our focus on God's promises. So I've deconstructed the lies. I've confronted them. Maybe I've had other people in my life help me to see, you know, I I think you're believing a lie. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to reconstruct my thoughts to God's truth, that God is for me. He is good. He is faithful. 
And I'm going to focus on his promises. Verse 29 and 30. Here's his promises. He gives power to the weak. How many need that today? You need that. I need that today. That he gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. Verse 30. Even youths will grow weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. So what does God do? He gives power to the weak. He gives strength to those who are powerless. Have you ever... Have you ever fainted raise your hand if you're willing to admit it i got my hand twice because i've done it twice all right the one time i was getting some uh, i was getting some vaccinations to go to on a go trip to tanzania and they gave me a lot it was it was a lot of shots it was eight seven or eight he's been there right and, and then they have you sit down the nurse says okay and they make you wait and make sure you're feeling well and i was like yeah, i'm feeling fine i was in arizona and i was driving home and about 15 minutes later, I started not feeling fine. And it was a construction zone, and there, it was a highway interstate, and there was no shoulder to get off on, to get over on. Traffic, and all of a sudden, my ears are ringing. I'm feeling clammy, and the whole world is getting real small. Have you ever felt that way? I knew I was about to faint because I'd fainted before. And thankfully, I got off at the next exit. I put it in park. And then I fainted. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. The, the other time, the other time was when my wife was uh, giving birth. And to my credit, I was trying to help her breathe. We went to those breathing classes. And they don't tell you, well, at least I don't remember them telling me that you got to be careful when you breathe like that. Because you could faint. You could pass out. Like, do that, do that a bunch of times and you're just going to hyperventilate and faint. And... Um, and so that's what happened to me. It's an unsettling feeling to faint. It's, it's not very fun to faint. You're out of control, and the world just gets shut out, and you get narrow-focused. It's not fun. And some of you may be going through that today emotionally, and everything, you have tunnel vision, and you're feeling the effects in your life, and that, have, that weariness has affected your spiritual life, and your faith, and you're wondering about God, and you're questioning God, and does God see you? Does God know your situation? Let me just drop a promise on you today. He gives strength to the weak. I love that. He gives strength to the weak. He's the source of strength, and he is ready, willing, and able to dump on you all the strength that you need. And notice what we read. It's not about age because it says even the young grow weary. So this is for everyone. No matter your, your age, your life situation, how old you are, you need this. He gives strength to the weak. And so we've been confronted with our wrong belief. We've redirected, uh, we've redirected it towards God's truth and that we've, we've focused ourselves on the promise that he is faithful, he is everlasting, that he gives us strength. And then what do we do? We reconnect with God's strength. We reconnect with God's strength. And so this week we had Thanksgiving at our house. And so we, we had everything going. We had the microwave, the air fryer, the oven, the roaster oven going at the same time. Right? And we do it right at our house. I don't know about you, but we do it right. But I kept popping the breaker. You know, and then, and then it's like nothing is working. What's going on? Okay, we popped the breaker. It got disconnected. And I had to go turn the breaker back on until it popped again. And then you're trying all the plugs, trying to remember, okay, what, what things are on what circuit, right? But sometimes 
Sometimes we get disconnected from the source, the power, and we need to reconnect to God's strength. And this, this verse 31 I'm about to read, this is going to change your life. It'll transform your walk with God. It will change you if you're a new life or you come to church every weekend or wherever you go to church. It will change how you go to church because too often we come for ourselves. We come to think that we are here to be ministered to. No, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're here to, to minister to the Lord. And a byproduct of that, of worship and his presence and bringing an offering of worship that's not about me. It's not about how it makes me feel or how it revives some emotion in my life. It's an offering. It's a sacrifice of praise. And the byproduct of bringing him ministry it's just the goodness of God that we get the feeling of his presence and the strength and all of that. It'll change how you come to worship. Verse 31, but those, excuse me, they who wait for the Lord. They who wait for the Lord. Everybody say wait. Come on, all of our campus, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to wait on the Lord. It's time to wait on the Lord. You're saying, Pastor Chris, I've been waiting for you to get through this message, all right? But let's wait for the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord, they will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They should run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And many of you have heard this verse before, but don't just let it settle in with, on, with a nostalgia feeling. I want you to think about what he's saying here in the context of what we've talked about today. Because if given a choice... To walk to Phoenix or fly, how many are with me? You're going to choose to fly, except for those of you who are fear of ferry to fly, flying. But we're going to fly. Why? Because I'm going to get tired walking there. It's a long walk. It says they will mount up with wings like eagles. See, eagles were born to fly. I love getting to be on the river and see the eagles this time of year, especially. There's a lot of them around. And they're born to fly. It's in their DNA. They soar. And it's so effortless. And God has given us a picture here to say that you're going to have strength beyond your human ability, supernatural strength that comes from God to do with ease what is not natural for you to do, to walk through the valley, to walk through the pain, to walk through the struggle in God's strength. And it will look so effortless, so amazing because it's his strength. He goes on, he says, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and never faint. See, when you have supernatural strength from God, you're going to be able to not only soar, but let's bring it to a physical human thing we can understand. We're going to be able to run. I don't know about you. If I'm told to run two miles, I'm, I'm tired after, I'm, in the notes I put, I'm tired after a mile, but let's face it, I'm, toward, I'm tired after half a mile, right? And I know that I can walk a lot further than I can run without growing weary and tired. But eventually, if I walk, I'm going to grow weary. I'm going to grow tired. Because my strength is going to go out. But when I wait on the Lord, we're not talking about physical strength to walk from here to Phoenix. But walking through this life. If I wait on the Lord. And see, waiting on the Lord is interchangeable with trusting the Lord. It means not trusting in your own strength. But waiting and trusting on the Lord's strength. And when I'm weak, I don't know what to do. And I feel empty. What am I going to do? How do I reconnect with God? I wait on the Lord. I wait in his presence. I go to worship. I go to prayer. Through prayer-filled waiting, God comes and renews our strength. I pray. I talk to God. I tell him even my troubles. God, sometimes I feel like you don't see me. But I'm going to redirect my thoughts towards what I know is true about you. Where do I find that? I find that in God's word and through his faithfulness in my life. 
I'm going to redirect my focus on that, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to wait. If you're waiting for a situation to change, maybe it's life direction, healing, finances, and you're, you're wanting to see God's, God come through, well, he wants to give you strength in the midst of that. How do you do? You wait on God. You wait on God. You wait on him. You wait in his presence. And in life situations, sometimes we, we just we get out ahead of God. We want to change things. I've done it so many, too many times in my life where I've tried to change things. I remember a time in my life when I was in Arizona and I was tired. I was weary. I was frustrated. I was pastoring a lead pastor at a church. And I was burning the candle at both ends, trying to serve God with, a, with a good intentions, but running at a pace that wore me out. I remember calling Pastor Jeff, in fact, one time. We talked for probably two hours on the phone. It's like, I'm frustrated. I'm just tired. Even left, I even went and interviewed at another church thinking, I'm going to get out of this situation. I'll start something new. But the truth is, I just do that. You just do that. You're going to run on adrenaline for a while, but wherever you go, there you are. And I was tired and I was weary. And thankfully, and I've had to do this more times than just that time, I had to come back to a place of waiting on God. And then this is what I heard. And I heard it through God's voice and the voice of another mentor in my life. His name was Nate. But he reminded me of a, a spiritual truth. That God said, you wait on me. And then you just keep doing the last thing I told you to do. And some of you, you're, maybe it's a life decision, a life situation, and you're trying to force it. And you're, you're just growing tired or weary. First of all, you need to reconnect with God's strength. And then you just keep doing the last thing that God told you to do. And if he has something new for you, he will tell you. If you wait on him, you get out ahead of him, you're going to grow weak and weary and frustrated. And you're going to, your tank is going to be at zero miles to empty. But reconnect with God's strength. So today, maybe there have been some lies that you believe you need to deconstruct them, confront them. You need to begin the process of reconnecting and reconstructing your thoughts towards God's truth, through God's word, in his presence. Focus on the promise of God. He will never fail you. He is always for you. He's never against you. You're going through pain or trial. God says, I am working this for your good. I'm working it out. I see things. God's ways are higher than our ways, so I'm going to trust. Okay, God, you see something I don't see. And you can handle my questions, but ultimately I trust you reconnect my thoughts and my focus on his promises. And I'm going to reconnect with his strength by waiting on him in prayer-filled waiting, in worship, in, his, in the word of God, in the presence of God. So that's you today. I'm going to encourage you to take those steps. What is the response you need to make? Some of you at all of our locations, there's some people in the place that today is the day for you to reconnect with God's strength by surrendering your life to Christ. In a few moments, a campus pastor is going to give you an opportunity to do that in a kind of an official moment way in our service. But you don't have to wait. Right now, just bring yourself to the Lord. Would you stand with us at all of our locations? And let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Just a few verses that are rich, full, powerful. That when we are weak, when we are weak, it's, it's just symptomatic of a disconnect of a wrong belief, of a lie that we've been tempted to believe. It's a symptom of us trying to do things in our own strength. God, we need to come back to the truth. We need to reject the lies. We need to focus on your promises.
And we need to wait on you. I thank you that you will fill us. You will give us everything that we need. All the strength that we need. All the power that we need. It's in your presence. It's in your truth. It's in the person of your son, Jesus, living his life through us. So we want to do that right now as we respond. Take this time of worship. May it be a time that we can reconnect with you and be filled with your power and with your strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.